From the shadow of Rocker Tower, behind enemy lines, in the belly of the Delaware Way Beast. Uh, this is Rob, and uh, this is your Highlands Bunker Podcast. We are here in the studio, as always, with K. Farser Stomberg, the, uh, the producer emeritus. He hasn't retired. He's the super producer. Don't retire yet. We need you. Uh, and uh, joining uh, again uh, is our, our, our friend from Kent County who's doing organizing uh, in Sussex, uh, Greg Layton. Greg, how are you? I'm doing quite well. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm uh, happy to have you. Uh, I was excited uh, about the op-ed uh, that you submitted to do um, Delaware Call that just went up um, to sort of follow up on not only stuff we talked about, uh, but stuff that the Andrew Galvin in the call covered, um, the, 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 the biogas sort of conversion plant that they're planning for, I guess it's Seaford? Between Seaford and Laurel, yeah. So it's between Seaford and Laurel. Can can you um, just give people a little background of what the proposal is and what it's actually going to do um, so people get like updated and then we'll start talking about sure, sort of the politics sure. of it? Um, the There's a company called Bioenergy Devco, and they're based in Maryland. They're a relatively new company, but they bought some technology from Europe. Um, they propose taking 200,000 tons of Purdue Farms poultry slaughterhouse waste from three states, Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia, and trucking it to this spot between Seaford and Laurel. There, they'll put it in something called an anaerobic digester, which means they'll suck out the oxygen, introduce some microorganisms, and extract methane from it. Uh, sounds good so far, and the poultry industry bills this as a solution to the 300,000 tons of poultry waste plus that they dump on Delaware fields every year that's caused a lot of pollution problems, drinking water, surface water, et cetera. Um, the poultry industry builds this anaerobic digester as a solution. Uh, they, they pretend that you put poultry waste into this machine and it disappears and out comes clean, usable, natural gas. But there's a lot of reasons the natural gas is a problem. It's a climate uh, it's, it's a climate catastrophe in the making. And at the end of this process, there's a lot of waste left behind. And this waste is chemically very similar to the waste they're trying to dispose of in the first place. Yeah, that was what the thing, and I, I didn't understand that at the first pass, um, exactly what the process was. Like, I sort of knew the idea. But there's still waste after this. They're They're right. basically just coming up with a... Classic capitalism, like, so, quote, I'm do, doing air quotes, solution, is like, well, we can extract something else of value. We can actually extract a commodity out of this. It's extremely dangerous, and it creates roughly this, you know, there's still waste created. Mm -hmm. But as long as we're extracting a commodity out of it, we can tell you that um, it's a step in the right direction. I mean, is that basically what, what's going on here? Right. They're selling it as a solution to the poultry industry's waste problem, but that's not really what it is at all. It's just an excuse to make methane, natural gas, and sell it on the Chesapeake Utilities pipeline for a profit. Chesapeake Utilities. They're, they're coming up more and more every day. 
I will mention that on the uh, there are press releases released in, in the last two years that tie Chesapeake Utilities to Bioenergy Devco. Um, they're tied to a company called Eastern Shore Natural Gas, which is expanding its pipeline facility about 12 miles from the Bioenergy Devco site, right next to a school, by the way, an elementary school, less than 800 feet from the playground. Um, we began putting pressure on this project and we are fighting it at the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. And all of a sudden, Bioenergy Devco's uh, paperwork to the state scrubs mentions of Chesapeake Utilities. It now says things like energy services provider. But oh, so they it just gives it generic, like. Uh... Right, but they weren't perfect. They left a lot of references to Chesapeake Utilities in. Now, why are they doing that? Why? And I made a joke only because I I noticed through other reporting we've done that a lot of state like bureaucrats, like accountants, people who did auditing, for example, mm -hmm. uh, moved to Chesapeake Utilities, who were who lived like in uh, in uh, Delmarva, lived in Sussex County, whatever. And so, uh, you know, I'm not as familiar with the setup there, um, but, like, is that, why did, I mean, obviously they're selling it to some some company that's going to deliver uh, the utility to customers. Right. Why Why would they just, why would they, uh, once, you f once you realize it's Chesapeake Utility, why are they hiding that? I'm not entirely sure. Um they might want to be disguising the fact that it's really a fossil fuel project. They might want to just pretend it's all ag. And when you introduce the name Chesapeake Utilities, it becomes very clear that this is a methane uh, manufacturing process, not an agricultural process. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And this pipeline is, that's basically to deliver the product that they're extracting to where it needs to go. Right. Right, they they're expanding a pipeline facility next to Phyllis Wheatley Elementary. Phyllis Wheatley Elementary in Bridgeville. In Bridgeville. Bridgeville. It's twelve miles from the Bioenergy Devco site, and they're going to have to truck the gas there. Um, there, I I left my stats on pipeline disasters at home, but needless to say, there have been quite a few of them, and they are prone to failure. And unfortunately, this proposal sailed through Sussex County with only one vote against it, and. Um, now it's on to the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission where we're fighting it as hard as we can. Yeah, I hope. And, and the reason I'm glad that you mentioned the school and the place, um, you know, I hope people sort of, you know, it's, it, people need to be, this needs to be put in front of them. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, they're not putting a pipeline by a school. They're putting a pipeline and they're trucking natural gas with big rig trucks to a school in, in Bridgeville. Right, like that, your kid, like you can go to it. So let's just be very clear what's happening in a in a, a very low income community of color. Well, of course, yes. I mean that's that's where that's going to go because that's, uh, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna extract, you know, we talked about this the first time you were in, and I just find it so it's almost like you can't. It's so on the nose you can't write it. Mm -hmm. They're literally capital has figured out a way to extract another commodity out of shit. Mm -hmm. Literally, literally, Just literally well, extract and sell it again. Well, it's all kinds of waste. I yeah, it's, it's different all kinds, kinds of, of waste, but organic it, it, waste. It will. I guess it, it's uh, something called daft scum, which is the goo left over after the slaughterhouse is done. But they will be mixing shit with it, and there are other proposals in Sussex County that will use shit almost entirely. So 
It's right. all it's all the same. It's chicken waste. Poultry yeah, waste. it's a bunch of it's a bunch of scum. Technical term mm-hmm. uh, that they are they they figured out a way to extract a little more value out of it, and the fact that it uh, it's a horrible climate thing, the fact that it's dangerous for the people around it, uh, really doesn't it, you know it's there those people aren't the stakeholders right that get to like uh, give their opinion about it, right. uh, which I you know is something. You know, I try to, I, I I try to relate all of these stories like together in one big story, mm-hmm. and they all have the same sort of uh, common threads through them. Mm-hmm. As you said, they're always going to be. You know, Maria was just here. Uh, they're always going to be in colonies. They're always going to be where people maybe don't speak English. Right. They're always going to be where people uh, are living. You know, um, you know, subsistence service jobs maybe. Um, they're they're renting from slumlords or landlords that are extracting rents right. from them at substandard housing. This is all part of the same same effort. Let me tell you a little bit about the community closest to uh, the factory. Um, it's there's a mobile home community called uh, Sussex Manor Mobile Home Park, and Working Families Party Carl's organization has been really supportive of us and helped us uh, canvas these neighborhoods to ask people what they know about the project and what's coming. And people don't know what's coming. And let me just spell that out so make sure I cover my points before we go forward. But uh, first of all, this waste, when it's land applied, will seep in, and land applied is what they call dumping it on fields, spreading it out. They're going to call it biofertilizer or they're going to call it compost or something, but they're going to dump it on fields. And when it seeps into the groundwater, it's going to contaminate these people and other people's well water. 20% of Delawareans, roughly, uh, drink well water. They're not on town or city water. Um, that's about 200,000 people. So this stuff will seep into the groundwater and contaminate it with nitrates. Delaware ranks number one in the nation for groundwater polluted with nitrates. Over 53% of Delaware's groundwater is contaminated with nitrates. Nitrates can be linked to health problems such as children born with disabilities and developmental delays. And Delaware ranks in the top 10 worst states for both of those things. Now, this stuff also gets into the rivers and streams. And 97% of Delaware's rivers and streams are impaired, according to the Environmental Integrity Project. And Dustin Thompson from the Sierra Club told me in the past week that it's actually 99% of Delaware's rivers and streams are impaired or polluted um, primarily because of this stuff. Uh, it all, will also bring trucks into this poor minority neighborhood, uh, roughly 20,000 a year um, on a narrow uh, two-lane road in the country. Um, that's over 50 trucks a day. Uh, that's going to raise a danger. And then the one thing that gets people in upstate Delaware care about, people in downstate Delaware are less interested, but is the climate. The methane produced by this factory, some of it will leak. These, these factories are notorious for leaking. As much as 5-10% of their gas they produce leaks. And methane is a uh, greenhouse gas 90 times more potent than CO2. But let's pretend that it all gets burned. It doesn't, get, it doesn't leak. It gets put into the pipeline. It goes to factories. And it gets burned to power industry. If it's all burned it will generate as much CO2 as a passenger car 
driving about 100 million miles. Delaware is the lowest lying state in the country. Uh, Bowers Beach, Delaware has the fastest rising sea level any place on the east coast of the United States. And this amount of carbon pumped into the atmosphere will exacerbate those problems. It might be minuscule and unobservable to the average person, but as these plants pop up throughout Sussex County and the country, it's just going to make the problem worse and worse at a time when we really should be uh, getting off of fossil fuels. And they're going to say, this is not a fossil fuel. It comes from shit. But it's a fossil it's fuel. A, it's a fossil fuel. It's a carbon-based fuel that you're burning. Right. It doesn't really... Fo- okay, it didn't come from a fossil, but it's the same shit. And, and they're going to use this uh, technicality to mix it with fracked gas in the pipeline. And then they're going to qualify for renewable energy credits from the state. And they're going to sell it as a green renewable product. Of course. I mean, that's the move. You got to, I mean, you got to label it something that it isn't to get that tax break. Right. You know, that's, we just talked about that again. It's all about just like figuring out a way to make a commodity out of it, to make a little bit of money to say that you, you did something. I think what you said is very important too. It's like, for some reason, people kind of like, look, there's nothing we can do. We have a problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the factory farm waste is a problem. Right. And any, like, people will say, well, if we're making money off of this problem, I guess it's, I guess it's a solution. That's not necessarily true. Right. And I think what you said is like, yeah, as they start popping up, um, you know, there's one, there's two. Oh, now there's six of them. Right. Like it's a bad idea, and and somebody has to, somebody has to call it out and say systemically it's a bad idea. The fact that you're able to pull a commodity out of it really is inconsequential to the impact it's going to have. Right, and people come to me on a regular basis, and and they they hear my points, and and I usually have more notes than I have with me now, but they hear my points, and they they say you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, and then they ask their gotcha question, and that is. Well, what do you propose to solve the problem? Well, I'm not a billion-dollar industry. It's not my job to solve their problem. I'm just telling them that th- this particular solution isn't going to work. And uh, an attorney uh, explained this to me on Thursday, and I can't. I was brainwashed. I was I was raised in Sussex County, Delaware, and I was brainwashed. I said, "Well, what are we gonna do to raise all these millions of chickens on Delmarva? We've got to do that. It's it's normal. That's the way it's always been. We've got to keep up the, the status quo and and be be the leading chicken producer in the nation. I guess next to Arkansas. But that's not the way it's always been. Historically, 30, 40 years ago, chickens were raised on regional markets or in regional farms for regional markets throughout the United States, and their waste was spread out. The soil could accommodate it. The, the waters could accommodate it. Um, it was not a concentrated uh, factory system. This is relatively new. But one thing that this attorney pointed out to me on Thursday is uh, they have a contract with Purdue Farms for this waste. And I thought, oh, the contract obligates Bioenergy Devco to take this 200,000 tons of waste every year. But the attorney pointed out to me, it also obligates Purdue to produce 200,000 tons of waste every year 
for the next 20 years. So now contractually, Purdue is going to be obligated to create just useless crap solely for the sake of making methane. And Bioenergy Devco wants contracts with Tyson's and um, Mount Air and other poultry integrators as well. And it would be the same thing. They would have a contract that requires them to produce waste. So this is the opposite of a solution. So when people come to me and say, well, what's your solution? Not this. Yeah, I don't want to make it worse. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to, want to sign up for something that is making it worse. Like, I mean, that's kind of what I've always think about. It's like a, it's like a drug addiction. Mm-hmm. It's like you just need more and more of it. All you're doing is you're just upping the dosage. Right. Like you're figuring out a way to extract more money out of the process. Mm-hmm. But all of the different things are, are actually making the situation far, far worse. So it, there, there doesn't need to be an alternative solution. All we need to say right now is don't make it worse. Right. I think that's the, that's the argument. And, and there in the West, um, thanks to these pollution credits or these uh, renewable natural gas credits from state governments, places like California, there are dairy farms that are making more money off of their manure than off of their milk. So that's telling me that an industry is existing solely for the waste or, or not, maybe not solely for the waste, but now instead of the waste being a side issue, the waste is the central issue and produce and the milk is the thing that they have to dispose of because, you know, we're, we're in the manure business now. What do we do with all this milk? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's capital for you friends. It works great. Um, so where does this let let's talk a little bit about the details mm-hmm. in the op-ed. Okay. And what some of the next steps are and how we can get people out sort of to the public hearing where sure. maybe we can um we can we can hit some pressure points. We'll just I guess put it that way. Yeah. So this week and this will be out in a week or two. So we'll have it'll have already happened, but it really doesn't matter. Um, because you're calling for a boycott of what's called a, is it a community education? What's it called? Uh, in their paperwork, they call it a community workshop. In their conversations with me, they call it an informational meeting. So it's like a sales, but they're going to tell you why this is good. Right. So um, for the past year, my organization and the coalition for, or the, the Delaware Civil Rights Coalition, uh, Southern Delaware Alliance for Racial Justice, um, Sussex Health and Environment Network. We've been negotiating with uh, Denrec, and negotiated is a very generous term. We've been we've been talking with Denrec, trying to get them to do outreach in these minority uh, communities where people speak uh, primarily Spanish or Haitian Creole, and we've asked them a number of things. Uh, we asked them first of all to translate, and they said, "Well, they'll provide uh, subtitles in Spanish." We asked them to allow outside experts to testify as to the uh, project's negative impacts. They said, no, we're only going to have the industry speak for itself, and they don't have to tell you anything negative that they don't want to tell you. We asked for them to uh, to allow people to ask clarifying questions because there's going to be scientific jargon and concepts that the average person doesn't understand. And the quote I received from the uh, Denrec deputy secretary was that would amount to advocacy and Denrec does not 
do advocacy. So, so using uh, non-scientific terms is advocacy? Apparently. Apparently making sure that people understand what's being discussed is advocacy. And um, uh, it requiring the company to answer all the questions they're asked is advocacy. Denrec said that the company can ignore questions that it doesn't like. Yeah, I mean, here's the funny bit. And you mentioned Denrec, so we'll talk about that in a minute before we move on. You you made a great uh, the 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 lead of your op ed is is really is really great because it's like ah you know people would assume that these agencies are you know environmental protection agencies or mm-hmm. this state agency is to do all of these state agencies are there to serve the uh, the capital interests of the state. Mm-hmm. So the idea that anything that doesn't serve this private interest in creating this process to extract value out of this waste Mm -hmm. is advocacy now i mean the when when the company came and and said that this is what they're going to do to be able to extract this value out of this waste they were advocating for something right you know they're advocating to put to, to to create this process to do this so the idea that that's sort of neutral like what Denrec and this company are doing is neutral, and what you're doing is advocacy is absolutely ridiculous. I think that's the first thing people have to see. Right? It, they cannot think of like, well, they're doing this, and what you're doing is advocacy. You're against that. They've already they're for something. They've advocated for it, and the the stakeholders and the powerful people in the state have mm-hmm. deci- have decided that they're going to extract the value from it. But that's just they're, they're doing advocacy as well. Right. Let's let's be perfectly clear about that. The only way, in my mind at least, to avoid "quote unquote" advocacy is to tell both sides of the story. And I'm not opposed to Bioenergy Devco giving their sales pitch, but I think that someone, and it doesn't have to be me, it can be someone with a lot better credentials, uh, should be there to say, "Well, the downside is this, and the downside is this, and the downside is this." But because there won't be two sides, there will only be one side. What Denrec is putting on is taxpayer-funded commercial. In, Correct. In the op-ed, we call it a dog and pony show. That's right. And I think that that's right. Um, you know, I was familiar with the background, but I wasn't familiar with what was going forward. But I think that the way you explain it is exactly right. You're supposed to hear the sales pitch. And it's not even a sales pitch because, really, the people who need to buy it have already bought it. Mm-hmm. They're all in cahoots anyway. And so they're telling you, they're basically telling you what they're going to do. And any uh, dissent is advocacy. Right. Um, so th- that's the first thing that people sort of need to understand. That you're like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't going to fly. And just to, to, make, to be clear, what we're talking about, and since this podcast won't come out for a week or so, you said. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about an event that's scheduled online for September 28th that will now be in the past, as we're discussing. So Food and Water Watch and a few other organizations are encouraging um, our members, at least, to skip it, to not pay attention. Uh, What we're paying attention to is an October 26th public hearing, which, according to Denrec, if we make really good scientific points, they'll consider them and they'll possibly uh, not do the project or not approve the permits. Um, Our 
philosophy of change as an organization is that public pressure does count, that everything really in state government is a political process. And so we're trying to turn out people uh, to the October 26th uh, public hearing to speak against this project. I mean, they, they, we want them to have their facts straight and we want them to, 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 to not lie and not exaggerate, but we want them to be vocal and speak against this so that Governor Carney can hear this and whether Governor Carney ever gets credit for this or not, Governor Carney can go through the back door and tell Denrek, yeah, I don't think this one's going to make us look very good. So is the meeting, is the public hearing uh, on the 26th of October, is that all virtual or would that be in person? It's all virtual. See, this is the new thing that uh, all these state agencies are doing. I've noticed it here at the zoning board, too, in, in Wilmington. But they love this virtual stuff now because uh, it's very easy for them to sort of control the control the conversation. Mm -hmm. They mute you, they kick you off. They're done when they're done. It's done. Mm -hmm. And so I I, I urge people to um, to really stay on it, stay on this, commit to to signing up for this. Uh, if it doesn't, if it seems fishy, um, follow up. Because I know a lot of this virtual stuff is is, uh, is shady to me, um, only because I know how the, how I you know they operate. It's bad enough when you go in person as we've done before, and you get you know you, you get shuffled out the door. Mm -hmm. um, at least you can yell in somebody's face. Um, you know when it's virtual, it's very difficult. And so I I hope that um, hope people understand that and keep following up. And there there will be an opportunity for written comment. Uh, that closes December 2nd, but we're going to be working through November to keep encouraging people to write written comment to the, to the state as well. Um, and we're probably going to set up something through Food and Water Watch so that a message will go simultaneously to uh, Denrec's uh, public comment file and to the governor. Yeah. Yeah, I... The other thing that struck me, um, and Carl might have a better... Uh, recollection of exactly what happened but i know that the I, I guess it's the not the chair the secretary of denrec whatever that person is um was involved in a hearing for the green amendment the Delaware mm, green amendment. yes and our comrade and friend uh, medina um uh, was uh, integral in in bringing in experts and bringing in community members to go to this hearing and they were totally just they were shut out mm -hmm. you know and from what i understand there was a well, pe activists had words with the denrec guy what's his name sean garvin sean garvin this guy um and so I, I th when you said you know in the in the in the op-ed uh, you know, people would assume that they're, you know, this. And I would have, too, until I heard the story about Sean Garvin uh, and, and realized that, again, it's just an it's just an just an apparatus of the capital state. You know, they're going to do what they're going to do. They don't want the Green Amendment. They just they don't want they're not an advocate for. Delaware people, they're an advocate for particular stakeholders. Mm -hmm. Most of those stakeholders want to make money. None of those stakeholders give a shit about people who live in that uh, community. 
Right. Um, Sean, Garvin doesn't give a shit about people who live in that community. Let's be honest. I said it. You didn't say it. Okay. This is commentary. Yeah. Sean, don't get mad. Don't get mad at Greg. Greg thinks you're a swell guy. He's mad right now. I can say it. He's saying, don't say this. I'll say that when Sean was nominated, uh, there was pushback against him because he was considered too strong of an advocate for the environment. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Yeah, he's not. Um, Anybody, you know, anybody working in Carney's government, uh, so far as I can tell, is, uh, you know, just just a, a, a corporate capital ass kisser. Um, across the board, and this doesn't even go for just Sean. I mean, he's 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 a dummy and a bad person. But, I mean, look at the way, um, you know, the Department of Corrections runs. Look at the way, you know, they're, they're all, it's all part of a, of a thing where they don't, they don't care about this stuff. And the only way you're going to make them care is doing exactly um, what you're doing. So, like, and I know um, Working Families Party has, has jumped in. What other what other pushes are right now for the community and otherwise to get more information in the community and to get people out to this public hearing on the 26th? Um, Sussex Health and Environment Network is working with a Haitian church in Seaford to educate that population. Um, I haven't been as directly involved with that, but I, I commend them and, and wish them luck and I'm trying to give them some materials that they can translate if they wish. Uh, we're working to educate the neighborhoods nearest bioenergy devco where most of the people speak spanish almost exclusively um was talking today with uh, rachel from working families party yeah, about reggie Guar, shout out yep yep and uh she's gonna help us flyer the neighborhood in the next two weeks and then we're gonna hold a meeting on october 8th at 4 p.m um this isn't for the general public this is just for people in the, the neighborhood but we want to make sure that they have an opportunity to speak i will say when I was speaking to the DENREC deputy secretary, she didn't think that uh, educating these fine people would make much of a difference. But we'll we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, we will find out. I, I think telling people in the community that, um, you know, they're going to be uh, processing a, uh, a, a flammable explosive gas near them uh, in, in just trucks every day they would be very interested in something like that um so i guess we will find out yeah it is a little bit scary for some of them because they're i mean to be honest undocumented and um i don't know your thoughts on this but when you sign up to comment uh through the state website for either the the workshop this week or the hearing on the october 26th one of the first things it wants is your name address contact information so that could be very intimidating for a person uh, whose legal status is uncertain, um, so that's an obstacle. That's an obstacle to clear. And and uh, my friends in Sussex Health and Environment Network wonder if uh, that wasn't intentional. Well, I you know this this happens um, in in a lot of different cases because there are people who are they're preca- it's precarious, you know, and and they don't want to um, risk being separated from their family. They don't want to risk. Um, you know, whatever job or, or financial situation mm-hmm. they have to support their family, completely understand that. Um, my hope is that um, other people in Sussex mm-hmm. really understand and stand in solidarity with everyone with their community mm-hmm. 
um, because you know I know there's a lot of actress activists say in Eastern Sussex. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of activists in Kent who care about um, you know who who've done work around water quality, right? And so I hope all of these people understand that part of standing in solidarity is, is is sort of understanding that there are people here who are being exploited and they can't even they can't really even speak for themselves right because of the situation we put people in mm-hmm. and so that's a, actually a call to action to everybody else in Sussex and and everywhere um, to uh, to get involved in this so that everybody has a voice and <clears throat> you don't allow you don't allow them to exploit the most marginalized People. Right. I mean, it's not a. It's I. 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 I have to say, and and you know, I don't know any of these people personally, but it can't be a a, a a just a coincidence that they're putting this plant in a place where people don't speak English, where potentially their citizenship is not, you know, not quite clear uh, what their legal status is. Uh, but they're human beings. But they're the ones that are going to be exploited. That's where they're going to put it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're going to put it there. And so um, I hope all of our comrades and friends all around Sussex, all around Delmarva, all around Kent can jump in here and, uh, and show some solidarity because, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty clear what's happening. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's environmental racism. As, as another one of your former guests, I think Shredo Calvacci Mateko has said, she calls it environmental racism, that this is clearly coming to this neighborhood for a reason. Now, there already is a Purdue composting site there. Um, one, of, one of the things that they're claiming in their paperwork is that they're expanding an existing operation. Well, this is an existing operation that has already been cited for the state for unsafe levels of chromium and fecal bacteria. So it doesn't have a great track record, and now they're expanding it by, I forget how many times, many times over. And shipping in waste from other states. Yeah, and this goes back to what we were talking about before. So you have to draw the line somewhere. Like, <clears throat> I understand that this process, this factory farm process, is creating a problem. Mm-hmm. But you have to draw the line somewhere and say, this right. is not the... Sl- okay, so you have you have some facility there that's receiving some sort of waste. Well... You put that there for the same reason we just said right. you put, you're putting right. this there, first of all. Second of all, there's no reason to expect. We don't want to exacerbate the problem. Right. So the, regardless of where the facility is now, regardless of what it does, and I question both of those things. I think they probably put it there for the same reason they're putting the biogas It's, it's very there. near a Superfund site as well. Of course. Um, yeah, I mean, at some point we have to look at these more broadly and not, and, and not just uh, – not just accept that. Okay, yeah, we're going to exploit people. We're going to we're going to do dangerous stuff, um, but there's really no way out of it. There is a way out of it. Drawing a line in the sand and saying mm-hmm. we're not doing it. Mm-hmm. So is this your uh, your your main focus right now? Uh, this is a, all that this, I this, work this, on. This is you're just working on this. This particular is all that thing. I work on, and I mean we'll figure out what's next, if anything, after December second. Um, but right now we're fighting this with all, uh, all barrels, I guess is the, the colloquial term. Um, we, we were, we have signed on to support the green amendment and we hope that that comes back and, you know, I'm a big fan of Medina's and, um, really think that that would be another way to go at this same problem. Because if you require the state to consider 
clean water, clean air, and a sustainable climate a human right, then the state government should not approve things like this. Right. We don't do this. We yeah. When when the when the idea of the state government is uh, financial uh, and uh, re- return on investment and all of that, um, they make one decision. But if they're forced legally stat- mm-hmm. from a statute from a statutory, well, actually this would be an amendment to the constitution. Right. When they're when, when they're constitutionally obligated not to do that, they can't do it anymore. Like it's not. It's serious business. You know, yeah, so I, I do hope it comes out. I mean, where does that where does that stand, Carl, uh, the Green Amendment? I mean, uh, does uh, it... It'll have to be reintroduced in 2023, and then the way that the constitutional amendment works is they have to introduce it in two different sessions. So if it passes this year, it would have to... Or if it, if it passes in the upcoming session, it would have to pass again in 2025, and then it would be in effect. Okay, because that's a two-year thing, so yep. it actually skips the... Yeah. Well, I mean, look, all of this stuff is going to be a long haul. We can't, there's no, that's the other thing people, I think, um, you know, it's, it's difficult, um, to think like, yeah, we're going to have to work on this and we might lose some stuff on the way, you know, but if we're in it for the long haul, there is a possibility that we can draw the line in the sand. That could be it. Oh yeah. You know? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not planning to lose this fight. I'm not looking forward to losing this fight, but I, I recognize that that's a strong possibility and if all that comes out of this, uh, this year at least, is that, hey, poultry waste has destroyed our surface water and our drinking water, um, that's a step in the right direction. If people know that, people don't know that. Like I said, there's about 200,000 Delawareans drinking well water, and most of them have not tested their wells. If they did, they might start to recognize that, hey, something's off here, and from what I hear, this isn't happening in other states. So. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like um, what's what's the political uh, climate in 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 this part of Sussex County? Um, I mean, people would assume just like it's probably not great. Um, but I mean, are are there some are there some allies and people that you're working with on the political stage that have a little bit of political power, or is everybody just sort of like bought into the you know the the concept of uh, extracting uh you know e- extracting value out of whatever we can well i'm not in a position due to legal and tax purposes to endorse candidates yeah we're not endorsing but I no can, endorsement but I, is there anybody who's uh working with you as a uh, either you know there's some, but i can say like that, that um susan clifford and seaford um has expressed interest in this issue and has uh, done some work on it uh, Sonia Mahaffey, who's working with the uh, nonpartisan party, has expressed interest in this and, and is spreading the word. Um, Russ Huxtable, who's running for Senate, uh, has expressed interest in this. And, and um, I'm not going to say what his position is, but he, he's, he's paying attention and, and seems concerned. So there, there is um, a, a growing number of people, at least in my awareness, maybe they, they have thought this way all along but in my awareness there's a growing number of people who are aware it's still very slow and when we uh put out notices for meetings like uh this thursday we're gonna have a letter writing campaign um for letters to the editor and just getting people to turn out is slow of course it is a political season and 
you know, if you're like me, you get invited to do like three phone banks a week and two canvases. And that's this guy's problem. He's always inviting people and, to bring phone banks. And I, I'm not able to make those. And I, and I, and yet I know that the activist class in Delaware um, is is tied up right now. And I understand that. And and getting some of these candidates into office uh, will. You know, without endorsing anybody specific, will make a difference. You and I are on the same page on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- that's my. You know, I, 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 I hate to be the one to endorse electoral politics, but the way we're doing it in the at the grassroots level, at the local level, the mass movement level mm-hmm. seems to be working, and so all of these things are connected. Um, you know. All of these issue campaigns, all of the organizing that we do, mm-hmm. it's all connected. And so, um, yeah, I think while I hope that this goes the right way, and I don't know, I've been actually surprised a lot lately, like in the last, say, two years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, who knows? I remember when I was here in January, you were... Uh, talking very positively about change on a state level. And I wasn't sure that I saw it, but um, paying attention through the primary cycle this year, um, yeah. I'm seeing a lot of enthusiasm that in directions that I respect. Yeah. And, and I don't, and I see, I don't know. I'm interested to see. I'm, I, I'll put it this way. I'm very skeptical of this idea that electoral, momentum will somehow impact the thought process and the politics of establishment politicians. I'm not sure that's true. I guess we'll see. Because we have certain momentum that's going a certain way in the state. And in, in, in Sussex too, but Kent, Newcastle County. But the people who are in power today, I don't I think are just going to hold on to their the last vestiges of their power mm-hmm. with grim death until they're until we rip it away. Um but I hope I, st- I I still hope that on certain issues people can sort of see the writing on the wall and see you know there's a there's a political mass movement happening in Delaware. Mm-hmm. If anybody's been reading the news journal Carl Stomberg's been quoted extensively. Um, and so maybe somebody would say to themselves, hmm, that's interesting. Um, now, maybe I wouldn't have thought this way before, but maybe I do now because a lot of people seem like they're organizing. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe I should uh, you know, listen to what they have to say. Kind of thing. If you know? I want to keep my seat, yeah. Or if I want, yeah, if I want to remain relevant, even if it's not your seat, if you want to remain, whatever you're doing, whether you're a, a, a elected political official and you want to keep your seat, or if you just want to remain relevant in these circles, then you have to reckon with the fact that the capital state—that's old news. You know, extracting any kind of value and extracting capital out of, you know, resources here and oppressing and uh, exploiting, you know, working people. That worked for a little while. But um, 
What is it? What Bob Dylan say? You don't need to be a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. You know, it's blowing. And so I hope that that helps. Like I said, I'm not confident. My position is that a lot of people just need to be need to be beat down. Right. But but I I do think that all of this organizing really does create pressure. You know, I, I it's working. You know, whether it works in every for every issue and every place, I don't know. But um, I love what you guys are doing. And I love Sussex County, too. My, I was just down there again uh, this weekend. You know, my wife is from the Eastern Shore. Um, I just drove through, you know, with that Bridgeville. If you were, if, if uh, you lived here, you'd be home by now. Yeah. I was just there. You know, so, uh, you know, that's the other thing, too. And maybe you can speak to, maybe the last thing you can speak to, to, to uh, no worries. You can speak to Sussex County as a whole. Um. From just a uh, community organizing and activism standpoint, like how are you feeling about Sussex? I mean, you feel like the communities are coming together. Do you feel like you're getting traction? Uh, I mean, obviously, it's always extremely difficult. Let's let's be very clear about that. But I mean, uh, what, what's what's your general feeling of just like any kind of sort of community mass movement politics, working class politics in Sussex? I grew up in Sussex County, and my ancestors grew up in Sussex County. There was even a latent in Congress from Sussex County. And even the people I disagree with strongly believe that they are doing the right thing and they want to be good people and they want to be good neighbors and they don't want people to think of them as rude or mean or selfish or greedy. And I think that maybe due to the media that some of them consume and traditional attitudes that some of them are stuck in ways that they haven't considered. And as time goes on and they talk to, to people like me and organizers from working families party and some of the new generation of politicians or candidates, um, they might say, you know what? I, I'm glad that the poultry industry provides jobs for people. Five of the top 15 employers in the state of Delaware are the poultry industry. But it's really selfish and greedy and bad neighborly that 97% or 99% of our waterways are just unusable um, because of what this industry does. We need to demand this this industry uh, be a better neighbor and take better stewardship of the earth. Um, I'm finding this from churches. I mean, we're working with the uh, Interfaith Power and Light, and they are active in the faith community, uh, getting people supportive of uh, climate action, you know, addressing climate change. And and they are going into churches and, and places that I would have thought would have been resistant to many of these ideas. And when they talk to them in terms of, like, you know, what's a good neighbor, what's a good steward, people, you know, open their eyes a little bit and think. And I'm not saying anybody changes their mind overnight, but over months, over years, I think people are coming around on a lot of things. I mean, I, I know I'm speaking very vaguely. Uh -huh. No, I know what you mean. Like, it's, I, I, I think there is a, there's a sense that, like, even through uh, this, like, political polarization, mm -hmm. because of, basically, it's because of the media they can, people consume. Yeah. Even through that, people do have do have a sense like 
do have a sense of community you can tap into. Like, I'll give you an example. Maybe we'll close on this and you can tell me what you think, what, what maybe what people would think about this. I harp on this idea that um, we sold the port. So we had a, a public infrastructure. We had public resource. Mm-hmm. Wilmington had a deep seaport. And things would come, and we could. It's a big, it's a big thing when you have that. And then we just we gave it away <clears throat> because, uh, you know, the the people, the government, the people, uh, aren't in the business of like running a port. Mm-hmm. I disagree. Yeah, we could we could get the value. We could extract the people themselves. The state could extract the value out of that and employ people, and let the people who are there decide how it runs. Like a co-op, mm-hmm. right? We talk about nationalizing different industries and different firms. What if, what if the poultry industry in Delaware was, was owned by the government, was owned by the people who work there, wasn't owned by Frank Perdue or wherever the Allen guy uh, or woman lives or the Mount Air mm-hmm. person, wherever, wherever all that money goes. What if the people who work there owned it? Would they poison their neighbor's water? Would they endanger a community down the street from them? Would they decide that a good way to solve the problem with the business that they work at and own would be to run a pipeline or run natural gas trucks past an elementary school where their kids go or where their kids' friends go? They probably wouldn't. And so I, even though it's sort of like people would look at it like, uh, you know, pie in the sky, sort of like utopia. Think about it. If everybody who worked at Mount Air owned it all together, the say there's, I don't know how many, 10,000 people that work there. I don't know. Would they do this? Would they decide to do this? I bet you they wouldn't. You know, like I said earlier, uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago, we had regional right. markets. Right. And the pollution was not nearly as significant. Delaware grew a, a wide variety of things from lima beans to sweet potatoes to peas, watermelons. I mean, we still grow some of these things, but not the variety now. Now we're just growing or mostly growing corn to feed chickens that get shipped across the country. But if we had... S- True small family farmers, you know, the, the poultry farmers now don't own their own chickens. They belong to the company from the minute they arrive to the minute they leave. Right. They grow them, they grow them on little things, but they're immediately shipped. They're, they're just a cog in the machine. Right. They, they, sadly, they have to pay for the infrastructure. They have to pay for the house. They go into deep debt for these poultry houses. And if the poultry industry decides, yeah, I don't like that design anymore, or, yeah, we don't like you as a person or whatever. The person saddled with the debt, saddled with the uh, poultry house, and has no more income. So, you know, I don't know about nationalizing or whatever the term is for making it state-controlled, but if it was truly more locally controlled and controlled by individual farmers who had individual relationships with the markets, um, somebody might argue that that's less efficient, but it would also, I think, build in a lot of, you know, your reputation's at stake. Yeah, efficiency really. I think you're probably right. People would say it's less efficient, but what you're, I mean, 
poisoning uh, poor people is extremely efficient. Right. And so there has to be some sort of, uh, you got to, yeah, I mean, I, I think farmers cooperatives, I try to, I, I, I make a lot of pizzas, and I always use King Arthur flour because King Arthur flour is 100% employee owned. Hmm. The millers, the, the farmers, the truck drivers, King Arthur flour, they all own it together. It doesn't have to be necessarily the state. It's just the people. Right. You know, would, would, a, would a cooperative of small farmers across Sussex who own their own stuff and, and, and sort of control their own process, would they poison their neighbor's water? I don't think they would. The the small farmers I know that specialize in selling at farmers markets and produce and stuff like that are, are extremely conscientious. Yeah, and even if they came together and and produced at a at a, at a high output, so rather than you know a, a a a group of farmers all going into extreme debt to buy the gear from the people who are subsidized by Purdue to to basically pass their product that. They never owned to begin with. They just had it there for eight weeks or 12 weeks or however long it takes to grow a chicken and then send it off in their trucks. Like if the whole system was different, I don't think they would be making the same decisions. I don't think we would get this. And again, whether whether we're able to extract the last penny out of every gram of chicken shit is really not the the guideline by which we should be doing business. And right. I don't think, as you said, 30, 40 years ago, those farmers would have done business that way because they would have understood that they live there. Mm-hmm. They live on the land. They know the people there. And so they just wouldn't do it. I don't think. Yeah, like they say, you don't shit where you eat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Uh, well, Greg, thank you so much for coming. You're just you're the 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 second long haul guest we've had this week. Uh, Claire Snyder Hall was on from uh, from Sussex County uh, last week, so I just I really appreciate people coming up and uh, and doing the full doing the full thing in the full uh, the full studio. We're we're really glad, and and I think I can speak for people throughout the state. We're really glad that you're here. Uh, you provide viewpoints that. Uh, might get on other media outlets for 30 seconds, um, but you have a conversation, you explore ideas, you, you uh, do a little bit of advocacy. Some. Uh, I mean, I have, I have a point of view. So uh, we, we, we appreciate that, and, I mean, that's why I'm willing to drive an hour and a half up here. <laughs> well, we, I appreciate you doing it very much. Um, again, Greg, thanks for coming. And, again, I uh, hope people will read the, uh, the op-ed. I hope people will uh, do some organizing or support the organizing that's being done ahead of this public meeting in October, and um, and maybe we can uh, maybe we can draw a line in the sand. That would be nice. I hope so. People, till next time, uh, left is best.